Hello and welcome to our series of podcasts on mental health interventions for refugee children. My name is Esther Schroeder and I'm a doctor doing research in refugee health at the University of Oxford. Across this series, we cover assessments, treatments and home and school interventions by talking to experts in these fields. This episode has a focus on trauma-focused cognitive behavioural therapy, also called trauma-focused CBT. We will talk to Dr Ruth Reid, a consultant child and adolescent psychiatrist in Oxford. Dr Reid uses trauma-focused CBT with some of the young people of refugee background that she works with. Ruth talks about the aims and purpose of trauma-focused CBT. So the aim would be to try and help the young person process the um, difficult events that they've been through. So often you'll find that memories of traumatic events are extremely fragmented and jumbled and kind of spiky and they're intruding everywhere all the, all the time. And they've got a sort of quality of being very now, very immediately threatening. So the purpose of trauma-focused CBT is to try and make them a little bit more like a video that has a kind of beginning, middle and an end that kind of flows. It'll still have a negative emotion attached to it. You can never remove that, but you might hope that it might be a little bit less intense and that the young person might have had a bit of a chance to work out what it means for them and what the implications of that are for their future. And that meaning at the end of therapy might be quite different from what it meant for them at the beginning. So that would be the kind of aim of what you're doing and you would be doing that by gradually helping the young person develop the stability and the confidence to go into the events themselves in quite a lot of detail and there are different methods of doing that and you can tailor that partly to the young person's preference and your feel for what's going to suit them. There's quite a few different ways in which I've done that with young people but in by some method you have to help them order the event and go to go into it in a lot of very rich detail, kind of bringing all the different senses in to kind of recreate it almost as if it's happening in the present, so a lot of it's called reliving. And the idea of that would be that it would help reduce the extremely intense emotion associated with it and the fear of thinking about it, which is often a barrier to recovery. And sometimes you might need to do that phase quite a few times until you can take that heat out of the memory. Obviously things aren't fine once you've done that. There's still quite a lot of untangling to do because when we were talking earlier I mentioned about the gap in um, development that might have come about because of all the adversity that somebody's gone through. So once you've finished trying to process the experience with the person you still need to think about what might be missing from their life that they might otherwise have achieved and how they might consolidate the work that they've done and fill in the gaps um, between where they're at and where they'd like to be more broadly. Um, it's also really important to think about uh, things that might make them unwell again in the future because even if you have tidied up the memory as best you can, it's still there, it's still horrible and realistically all of us do have a fairly high chance of going through further unpleasant events in our lives and if you're still in a situation where your country is still in conflict, you might have family members still at very high risk, you might your own asylum process might not be completed, there's lots of very, very real risks still going on, it might mean the person's quite high risk of relapse even if you've made some progress with the particular 
events that you've been dealing with. So you're trying to help them recognise where those risks to their well-being sit and what they can and can't do um, to try and help themselves stay well in the future. When approaching starting a trauma-focused CBT therapy course, there are a few ways to approach this with the young people to make the sessions more useful for the young person and more likely to be seen through to the end. So, for example, if a young person has... Let's say you've got a young person who has experienced some direct family violence and then on top of that witnessed somebody being killed. So, to help build their confidence and understanding of the process, I would start with the less distressing event for them so that they could kind of get used to what it's like to relive an event and how you might go about it and sort of build up their trust in me as well and then go through that process. Hopefully they would then see some benefits in terms of fewer flashbacks or other distressing responses to memories of that event and then that would hopefully give them the confidence and the impetus to go on to tackle the one that feels worse and more powerful. Them. So it, it's often, if there are quite a few events, then kind of having a hierarchy of which one they feel most comfortable trying to delve into first is really helpful to engaging them in the treatment and helping them see that it, it does relieve things for them. It's very hard work, so I really struggle with coming and adhering to it and not dropping out. So if you can show them some relief from their symptoms early on in some way, then that makes them much more likely to persist with coming. It's important for a young person to have a therapy that suits everything else going on in their life. So this influences the way that these sessions are planned out. I would say typically six to nine months, sometimes longer than that, depends, because you have your intended number of sessions and then what you find, really especially with young people in general, but especially with young people who have very complex lives with lots of other things like the asylum process going on alongside. It's a very bumpy road in their lives in general, so it's not like working with a child who you can pretty much guarantee will be brought by their parents every week for therapy sessions. It isn't like that at all, so very commonly you have a lot of gaps. So you might plan to be working together weekly and then it'll end up every other week or they'll forget or there'll be something else that they need to do or they won't feel well enough to come. There's lots of things that get in, in the way so yeah that can really affect the progress that you make and the young person's trust in you and confidence in you and also your confidence in whether it's the right time to tackle something a little bit more difficult for them. If you know something awful is coming up in their lives that they're going to find really hard, obviously you're going to be loath to start a very difficult piece of work with them so you you also need to be satisfied that if you open up something very difficult that they will come back the next time and see you and um, that they will have some support out there so quite often for young people having to plan around things like exams and things like that as well in terms of how we time the phases of work that we do. As with all therapies, it's important for both the therapist and the young person to have a good understanding of expectations before they start. Working on traumatic experiences is really difficult and can take a long time and doesn't mean that there will be a complete improvement of all symptoms. For the young person, as well as the therapist, realistic goals will help both parties feel that they've made progress and not get discouraged. There will still probably be, as for all people, difficult things ahead for that young person, 
but after learning about CBT, they'll have more skills available to them to face future challenges as well as their current ones. I think it's also really essential, both before you start and throughout the whole process, to have harnessed every positive resource that you can for that young person and to keep those shored up throughout treatment. It's very hard when you are doing very, very intense sessions with a young person then you know that they are maybe 16 or something they're going to be going home to supported accommodation they're not going home to a family and that's a really big responsibility to make sure that they're okay when they go home and that somebody will check on them and that they will feel able to tell somebody if they're not good because you've got another 167 hours at least until you see that person again and that's an awful long time we might have raised an awful lot of very difficult things for them so it's a very big responsibility as well I think. So that brings us to the end of our podcast on trauma-focused CBT. I hope this has been a useful talk about one type of therapy available for refugee young people with mental health problems. In the rest of our series we're going to talk about how the family, home and community as well as school can influence the mental health of refugee children.